Who would win in a fight? Bigfoot or a freight train? We have a definitive answer to that question, which I'm pretty sure you guys already know the answer to, but we'll take a look at a story like that. And then we meet a young boy who's hanging out at home alone in a house with no electricity. Things are looking glum for the young man until his older brother shows up. Or does he? Today on Dad Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. we got a ton of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and get started. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give it up for our newest Patreon supporter, Kyle Hughes. Yeah, woohoo! Come on in, Kyle, strutting on into Dead Rabbit Command. Kyle, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. You have no idea how much that helps. Letting people know about the show helps the show grow. And that's good, right? Because it rhymes. Everything that rhymes is good. Kyle, I'm going to go ahead and toss you a shovel and a little train engineer outfit, cute little hat, little wooden whistle. And we're going to hop aboard the Carpenter Caboose. Kyle, go ahead and start shoveling that coal into the engine. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're choo-choo-chooing all the way out. To the U.S. Canadian border. You're like, Jason, did you pick this story just so you could keep making sound effects? We're heading back in time to the 1880s, and we're aboard this train that's currently chugging down a rail track near the U.S. Canadian border. That's as specific as it can get. The countries just basically are friends all the way to the end. I don't think there's a part that isn't connected to Canada, maybe except for Hawaii. But we're chugging along, and it's nighttime. We're going to meet a crew on this train. This isn't one of those foo-foo passenger trains where they, like, hand out snacks and people get murdered. Ten people murder one person at the same time. Spoiler alert. It's a, like, shipping train. So they got, like, flat cars and then cars full of stuff. A car full of dead hobos. And you just have this train chugging through the night up at the U.S.-Canadian border. And on this train, there was an engineer. We don't have his name listed, but we're going to go ahead and call him Jerry. So Jerry's working on this train as an engineer. He's looking out the window, and he's like, yep, still moving in a straight line. It's still nighttime. Now I get to take a break for an hour or two, because I don't know what else I'm going to do on this train. The train is chugging down the track, but then disaster strikes. All of a sudden, it rams into something. And this thing is so large, the people on the train feel the impact now i'm sure if a train hit like a baby deer wouldn't even notice it i'm sure i'm sure the guy up front we get deer guts all over him maybe he hit a couple quails right you wouldn't notice it It would have to be something large that when you hit it with a train everyone on board goes what's that what it hit was so big it actually started to slow down the train what had happened was this creature they're assuming right a moose maybe what could possibly be this big up in the middle of nowhere they could tell that it mangled up the cow catcher whatever it hit was so big it actually broke the cow catcher and now the cow catcher is dragging along the rail sparks are probably flying up in everyone's faces ah i forgot my goggles at home and so they pull the lever (laughs) i'll tell you right now everything i know about trains are from cartoons right they pull the lever the steam whistle goes woo woo And the train slowly comes to a stop. 
steam's blowing out of somewhere. Because it's a train, I'm assuming it's a steam train. And everyone gets out with their lanterns to see what in tarnation could we have hit? What could have been so big that it would have slowed this train down? So they get out with their lanterns and they're walking towards the front of the train. And they see, like, the cowcatchers all mangled. They just see a little bit of it, right? Because they're kind of walking up alongside the train. They see a little bit of it. And then the guy's moving his lantern, like, super fast so they can't get a good view, but it's extra suspensey. What they do is when they finally get that guy to hold his lantern like a normal person, they can clearly see that the cowcatcher, yes, is mangled, but it didn't hit a moose. What do they see tangled up in the cowcatcher on the front of the train is an ape. They're looking at this giant monkey body, dead, tangled up in the mangled remains of the front of the train. The guys realize that there shouldn't be any apes out here, right? You don't have to be a biologist to to realize there shouldn't be any apes in the U.S.-Canadian border. There really shouldn't be any apes anywhere in America or Canada. But what's this ape doing on the front of the train? How did it get out of here and it got killed by us? But they also realize they have to repair the cowcatcher. They just can't stay out here forever because they also know, and they start to catch glimmers of it in the darkness, there are natives in the woods watching them. So they're like, okay, this is not a good situation. One, (laughs) there might be a ton of monkeys out here. We don't know if this is the only one or if we're surrounded by them. Two, even if there aren't any monkeys... This might end up badly if a bunch of Native Americans and Native Canadians, is that the term? They're on, they're, they're literally on the border and you have Native Americans and Native Canadians on both sides. They're like, ah, this could end badly. They could get us as well. Let's go ahead and get this monkey off of this train, which sounds like a great, which sounds like a great title for a kid's book. Let's get it out of the cowcatcher. So they start to remove the ape's body. And so this story was told to us. It went for the engineer who worked on the train told the story to his granddaughter, who then told it to a Bigfoot researcher much, much later in life. But the engineer says it took six of us, six of the strongest men to ever work the railway. And I was the strongest of them all. And also the most handsome. It took six of us to move this monkey's body. And I keep saying, like, monkey, I keep saying ape, which are two totally different species. He keeps saying ape, I just always default to monkey, because I think it's kind of a funny word. It's an ape, but it's not like a normal-sized ape. The engineer said this thing had to be at least eight feet tall. Eight feet tall ape, which I think a gorilla, like, gorillas don't look that tall, right? I know they walk around on all fours, and then they bang their chest (laughs) until Tarzan shows up, but... They're not that tall, right? Like, you could probably walk up to an ape, (laughs) assuming there's, like, electrified barbed wire between you and him, and look him in the eye. I don't think that apes are super big. I think, guys, I think you guys are quickly realizing I know everything about science from cartoons, and the apes are purple, and they solve crimes. I don't think apes are eight feet tall. I think that'd be too tall for any primate, right? I'm sure you could go up and, like poke an ape in the chest again, assuming that you're wearing some sort of armor, you're in a mech suit, and there's electrified barbed wire between you. This ape was eight feet tall, and it took the six men to move it. He estimated that the thing weighed about 500 pounds, which to me doesn't seem like a lot. I couldn't bench it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying like, I was like, get out of the way, guys. I'll pick them up myself. I throw my back out, and they just leave me there in the darkness. No, if you're eight feet tall and you weigh 500 pounds, 
Basically, each foot of you would only weigh 90 pounds, which is that normal? Like, I imagine he would be like super lanky. But I guess it doesn't, really, it doesn't matter if it looks like he works out at the gym. It's eight feet tall, ape in the middle of nowhere. Right? You want to be like, oh, man, do you even lift? Like, he's he's a giant monster, man. I don't think you want to make fun of him, whether or not he was dead or alive. Anyways, they take this 500-pound monster, ape, really. They're not even thinking it's a monster. And they throw it in an open flatbed car. And they go, let's just toss him in there. We'll deal with it later. Because that's definitely an anomaly. I mean, at the very least... We can take it to some doctor, some scientist, or something like that. And in the most, maybe, maybe we can cut off his hands and make wishes. They throw him in the back of this flat car, is what it's called. And then they're like, okay, that was mission one. Now we got to fix the cow catcher, because the train won't be able to go as long as this cow catcher is mangled, right? And the engineer, I forgot, I already forgot the name I made up for him. Eddie the engineer, he changed his name in the middle of the story. He's like, yeah, I don't feel like that old name. Call me Eddie. And they're like, seriously? You change your name every single hour. And he's like, who knows what'll be next? Eddie the engineer and his buddies then, they set to work at fixing the cow catcher. And he said it took about two hours to straighten it out. They're working in the dark. They just are working by lantern light. <laughs> They're trying to morph steel in the middle of nowhere with the basic tools possible. And they really do notice that there are natives kind of surrounding the train. They don't, they're not doing anything to the crew. If anything, it seems like they're more interested in what is going on writ large. Meaning, the dude <laughs> the giant monster in the back. They're very interested in what's going on with that monster in the back. Well, they finally get the cow catcher fixed. And then... One of the crew members goes back to the train car to take a look at the ape monster. And the crew member realizes the ape's corpse is gone. So the crew goes, you know what? I really wanted to make my wishes. I didn't get a chance to make my wishes. They realize that this thing, wishes or not, is an anomaly. They should bring it back. So they start tracking it. And sure enough, they, they're able to track it. Because they see like oh, a bunch of bushes are knocked over and they're like, hey, the natives went this way and they must have carried this body off. And they're walking along. And then a guy finds some fur on a tree. He's like, ah, clue. And then they just like, keep walking. I also forgot to mention this guy was super smelly. This ape smelled, which is a common thing we see in Bigfoot stories. But anyways, they're walking. They're following it. They can follow the smell. It's so pungent. They can follow it through the darkness. Well, eventually they lose the track. They get to a point, it's just not, they can't smell it anymore. There's no more bramble being knocked over. It has disappeared into the night, along with the natives that were surrounding the train. So the thing is, is that what they figured was that the most likely explanation was that this was an ape that it must have escaped some sort of circus or sideshow, right? It broke out of the cage and ran up into the forest and was hanging out there for a while. He's like, no, bananas. Oh, I should have stayed. I should have stayed a slave to that cruel circus master. But one thing they were thinking of when they were kind of debating this theory is that they took a good look at this monster. And they realized even though it looked like an ape, it didn't have ape-like teeth. It didn't have like those big fangs that an ape will have, it actually had human teeth. They said it had human teeth, but they were like spaced widely apart. One of the guys kept that hair. He kept that hair that he found on the bush, and they actually gave it to a scientist at one point. He's like, what do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to do with this hair? And they're like, I don't know. It's just weird hair, right? We find it all the time in the forest. Maybe it belonged to something. 
It's a fascinating story, right? I really try to look into the physics of it. Like, if a train hits something 500 pounds, would it stop? Would the cowcatcher get mangled? But I have the internet of 2022, not the internet of 1880s. For all I know, this was a common problem. The cowcatchers were constantly getting mangled if they hit anything too big. And that led me down a rabbit hole where I was finding out if a human got hit by a train, what would happen to them? <laughs> the answer is nothing good. They said at the very least, maybe you have a glancing blow. Maybe someone's like hanging out the window, going to give you a high five and you, you don't know it and they slap you across the face. You're not going to blow up. But if you get hit by a train directly, sometimes you get thrown to the side and you're fine. Sometimes you're obliterated. And then sometimes you're thrown to the side and obliterated. Like it's all sorts of physics involved. But those modern trains tend not to break. So the question is, and and to be fair, modern humans, these trains that are hitting these people, they're not eight feet tall and 500 pounds. They're not 90 pounds per foot. So that's the question. Is this physically possible? Like, that's kind of where it's hung up. But Rita Smith swears that her grandpa never told her anything false or never told a story that wasn't true. I'm sure if she goes, did you eat my last fruit roll up? He's like, no. As he's going through diabetes, uh, they're like, grandpa, I can obviously tell you need your insulin shot. You ate all my fruit roll ups, didn't you? But as far as tales go, he, she said he never told me a false tale. He never told me a story that wasn't true were her exact words. Read me the story about the gingerbread man. And he's like, no, I'm going to read you this technical manual on how to be an engineer on a train because I don't tell stories that aren't real. But otherwise, it's a fascinating story, right? Was it a Bigfoot? Was it an ape? How many Bigfoot sightings were actually an ape? I think that's so fascinating. Something that gets kind of brushed aside a lot. Like if you, if a it, in an area that you had a monkey loosen running around the woods, and somebody saw that monkey for the next hundred years, that legend would grow. It's the same thing like the alligator in the sewer. If you saw one alligator, if there was ever a news report of one alligator in the sewer for the next hundred years, they're like, there's alligators all over the sewers in New York. I wonder how many of these Bigfoot legends were started by something real. But we don't know, right? Could have been a Bigfoot, could have been a Sasquatch, could have been an ape. Why were the natives so eager to get it? Why were they so eager to get this smelly prize? Was it their pet? Who knows? <laughs> I'm just making stuff up now. I'm just guessing stuff. Kyle, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're going to leave behind the U.S.-Canadian border. We're going to head all the way out to the Philippines. I found this story online. It was written by someone who goes by the handle Nine Tails. We're going to go ahead and call him Tony. We're headed back to the year 2021, so very, very recent story. It's 2021. We're in the Philippines. It's currently in the middle of the day, and Tony is at home alone. Tony says, I have two older brothers. And they were very, very devout to the point that they would spend most of their free time at the church across the street. But I was kind of too lazy. He's like getting on my knees and praying. Ah, it's too much work. I'm going to sit here on the couch and read a book. He accidentally picks up the Bible. He's like, no, I've been tricked. He says, my two older brothers, they're very, very devout. They spend all the time at the church. That just wasn't for me. So I'm just hanging out at home there across the street. Totally fine, right? If anything goes wrong, I know where my brothers are at. It's going to be okay. We don't know Tony's exact age, but it does seem that Tony is underage, you know, younger at this point. And it's only just last year. 
And the reason why Tony's reading a book and not doing anything cool is because the electricity is off at the house. They have absolutely no electricity. So he's just kind of hanging out. He's doodling. He's checking his phone. He's like, oh, no, 1%. Oh, man. Pretty soon, all the fun's going to end. He's sitting there, and then all of a sudden, the front door opens up, and in walks one of his brothers. We're going to go ahead and call this guy Marcus. Marcus walks into the house and just kind of walks through the house, straight back to the bedroom, shuts the door. Tony's like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm still sitting here, doodling, hanging out, reading this book. All the stuff, that's pretty much all you can do with the electricity off. It's okay. Well, the day continues on. The sun begins to go down. And it's time to start lighting candles. It's time to actually have some light. Once it gets dark, you don't want to be sitting in the pitch blackness. Tony starts getting up and start looking for these candles, and he can't find any. Oh, dang it, he's opening up the junk drawer. He's like, oh man, all these 9-volt batteries. Ugh. He's looking around. He's looking at all the ordinary places they keep the candles. Can't find any. So he walks over to the bedroom. Hey, Marcus. Marcus, hey. I can't find any candles. Marcus gets up, goes, hey, come with me. Come with me. Let's get the electricity back on. Let's just do that. Tony's like, what? What? what, what? Are you gonna go, you're going to go earn a bunch of money so we can pay these bills? And Marcus is walking through the house. And he's like, no, just come with me, man. We're going to turn the electricity back on. And they go outside. And Marcus directs Tony to the electric meter. And he goes, listen. Grab a screwdriver, get some pliers, come back here. We're going to we're gonna open this up. We're going to fix this situation. Tony's like, okay. So he gets the screwdriver and the pliers. And Marcus goes, okay, what you need to do, you see that seal there? Break that seal and then pull the cover off. You see that, Tony? Right there. You see that little plastic chip? I need you to pull that out. Tony's like, what? Okay. And Tony reaches in and he pulls out the plastic chip. He goes, okay. Uh, go ahead and put the cover back on, and let's go ahead and turn on a light switch. I was like, what are you talking about? Seriously? It's that easy? So Tony and Marcus walk back into the house, and Tony goes and flips the switch on. Light comes on. Tony goes, it's that easy? We could we can just turn on the electricity? Marcus is like, yeah, sure. It's that easy. Walks down the hallway, goes back into the bedroom. Tony's like, dude, this is dope. Like, I'm sure eventually we're going to get in trouble for this. The power company may see that all of a sudden the people who aren't paying their bills are somehow consuming more electricity. He's like, okay, but that's cool, man. Got the lights on. And at that point, Tony's phone rings. Tony's like, oh, okay, cool. Pulls his phone out, answers it, and puts it to his ear. It's Marcus. Marcus is calling Tony and says, Hey, Tony, uh, we're going to spend the night here at the church. Uh, you should come over here. The electricity's on and they got food. Come on over. Tony's sitting there holding the phone. He goes, Marcus, come on. Wh what are you doing? Is this some sort of joke? No, what? No, come on. No, the, the church does have electricity. That's not a joke. They actually have electricity over here and they have some food. Just come on over. We'll spend the night. Tony goes, Marcus, where are you right now? At the church. Now, Tony is walking through the house, and he's continuing to talk to Marcus. And he's walking towards the bedroom. 
And he's expecting that this is all a joke, that Marcus is calling him from the bedroom. But as he gets closer and this conversation continues, he can hear Marcus on the phone, but he doesn't hear a voice coming out of the bedroom. Marcus walks down the hallway and he turns and he looks into the bedroom. It's completely empty. Pure terror grips Tony. And he said he began to slowly walk through the house, trying to make as little as noise as possible. He said, I'm walking through the house and I'm checking every corner. I'm looking for whatever was in here, for whatever was impersonating my brother. It might still be here. He's looking around. He slowly starts to get dressed and then quietly makes his way out of the house. He opens the front door. He sees the church across the street. In his mind, this still has to be a joke, right? This is impossible. Crosses the street. He goes inside the church, and there in the church are his two brothers. He immediately bursts out crying. When he sees them both over there. It's a creepy story. We have covered a lot of stories like this on the podcast. But every, if, I, if memory serves me. I'm going to put a couple of them in the show notes. If memory serves me correctly. There is never a word spoken from this doppelganger. I could be wrong. My memory is faulty. I've put out what 940 episodes at this point. We had the one where the two girls went into the school basement, but three came out. We have these stories where people are actually calling out to the other version of the person, right? They're seeing someone who shouldn't be there walking in a different direction. This one, we have somebody impersonating Tony's brother and then giving them... Completely valid information. I actually looked, this was like, I'm trying to find out, can a cow catcher get mangled? If it hits something large enough, this was something I was checking out. And there are new smart readers that there is a way. I mean, legally, I probably shouldn't have given you all those instructions. Please don't electrocute yourself. But you can go on YouTube and these new smart meters, you can pop it off. And they say in the YouTube videos, do not do this. This is for education. But here's a step-by-step guide to get your electricity back on. Marcus didn't interact with the meter. Marcus never picked up the screwdriver or the pliers and never pulled anything off. He just instructed his brother on how to do it. Whenever we talk about doppelganger stories like this, the usual suspects show up. Sometimes we think it might be demonic, right? Something impersonating a loved one to try to get you to follow them. Sometimes we think of alternate universes, like someone is standing in between two realities and seeing... The opposite. This, But again, this one, the person, the other, accurately gave information that helped Tony. It's a fascinating story, and it would terrify you. There obviously is the possibility that this was a prank, right? That Marcus thought it was hilarious, right? But removing that, which is the most likely scenario, removing that, we now have a doppelganger story 
where the doppelganger interacts in a positive way. I mean, not if you're a member of the power company, right? Eventually, these kids might have got arrested. That was actually something that I thought was interesting. I went to go find out more about Ninetales. I started looking at their posting history. The last time they posted on Reddit, they they were pretty a pretty um, regular poster on a couple different social medias. The last time they posted on Reddit was July 14th, 2022. Um, August 18th was their last TikTok upload. They play a game called Wild Rift. See, that's one of the things. Like, when I go through these Reddit histories, when these stories seem so crazy, right? So unbelievable. I like to go through. And if they're posting to nothing but paranormal stories, eh, it doesn't mean it's not true, but it, it could more likely be made up. Because they're having they're having nothing but world changing experiences over and over and over again, like stuff you've never come across. You're like, okay, this guy's a good fiction writer, but that's not something we really want to cover on the show. He, Tony seems to be really into this game called Wild Rift. I'm not for sure. Maybe it's like a MOBA where you run around like League of Legends stuff like that. Wild Rift streamer. Um, but the last time they updated TikTok, August 18th, Facebook is completely inactive. Their Discord invite completely invalid. I did. I did try looking for this person. What happened was once I found out they hadn't posted to Reddit for a while and TikTok for a while, then I started going, hmm. So it's possible this person might just pop back up online tomorrow. I'm not going to check Reddit. I'm not going to keep investigating this young kid in the Philippines. I hope everything's okay, but who knows? It's very, very disturbing to have a doppelganger not just look like a relative or a loved one, but to actually turn around and interact with you. Gain trust, really, right? You thought you saw one of your relatives walking in the house into the back bedroom, and you're like, oh, that's weird. And a couple hours later, you go into the bedroom, and the bedroom's empty. And then you found out they're out eating sushi at a restaurant. That would be creepy, right? I'm not saying that's any less creepy. That would be disturbing. But it wasn't them. This one, this person acted like Marcus, spoke like Marcus, and gave helpful instructions. And to me, that's such an escalation. And so I think it would be easier to fall prey to an entity that was that lifelike. As opposed to, you're like, ah, oh, my brother is kind of weird. He doesn't normally walk around like a zombie, and just go to bed and then disappear. But if it acted like your brother... And it talked like your brother, and you could give it noogies like your real brother. You're like, I'm keeping you around, you demon. He's like, oh no, I manifested into the wrong thing. I'm just going to get bullied on Earth. Creepy story. And I am basically, basically am I implying the reason why this guy hasn't gotten online recently is because he got tricked by a demon or got sucked into an alternate universe. Is, is that why, what I'm implying? Kind of, right? It would, I didn't think about this at the time, but it wouldn't make sense. Like, his two brothers are so devout. What if Tony was the weak link spiritually in this household? There was a dark spirit that wanted to break the family. And it's like, I can't go into that church. <laughs> That's kind of the rules, right? I can't go in the church. But if something happened to their little brother, would that make those two young men, would that make their faith waver? And the weak link in the family is the target. It's a story that is about paranoia. It's a story about diabolical forces imitating the people you love the most. And not just that, but being helpful. Helpful in the short term, maybe, but helpful.
It's one of those stories that kind of makes us step back and go, who can you trust? If even the people who are closest to you can actually be demons in disguise, who can you trust? Now, statistically, your family is your family, your friends are your friends, your co-workers are your co-workers, and there's no demonic involvement. But in the world of the paranormal, by the rules of the paranormal, sometimes it may be, right? And in Tony's case, it's possible that a demon assumed the form of his brother and gave him the gift of light. Only to later trick Tony into following what he thought was one of his brothers into a world of never-ending darkness. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.